Um, I have been excited about this uh, Sunday for a while. Um, we're taking a break from our series, uh, Swipe Right, for one Sunday, um, and today is a Sunday we're calling Moving Forward, um, where we're going to look back a little bit at where we've been, and then we're going to talk about where we're going in the future, because one of the things we try to do each year is we try to provide clarity about our mission and vision so that we are all moving forward together. Many of you have been part of churches where it seems like everyone was kind of going in their own direction, and what ends up is chaos. And so as a church, we kind of want to provide clarity about who we are and where we are going. So here's what I want to do today. I want to announce a couple exciting leadership changes, um, and then I want to talk about some structural change, and then I want to share a bit of my heart about where we are headed. Um, but before I do that, a couple announcements for this week. First, community groups launch this week. So this Monday, our first community group launches. Can I, yeah? Let's get, get. Two people are excited. Um, community groups, our community groups are phenomenal. We have 15 or 16 groups all across the city. Uh, if you um, are looking for community, community groups are the best way for that to happen. Sunday mornings, just for a number of reasons, are not the best place to meet people and build deep relationships. Those relationships take place um, in circles. We, I like to say that circles are better than rows for building relationships. So I really encourage you to go to thetablechurch.org slash groups, um, and you can find a list. You can search by metro line, by neighborhood, um, night of the week, in a bunch of different ways. So I really would encourage you to reach out and join a group. Um, the next uh, announcement is um, next week we are going to two services in this location. So 945 and 1115. So the early risers, you get to get up and come norm, you know, when you're, you're already up. You're like, is it time to go to church yet? Um, and, and the rest of you... Um, can sleep in for an extra 45 minutes. Um, you can even try showing up to church early. It's just a suggestion. Um, anyway, I'm really excited. We've just, we've outgrown the space in the back, and we just want, we, one of the, our goals is to create intimate experiences here at the table, and anytime we feel that we're getting too big and there's, we're losing that intimacy, we want to just do a new service or some other new expression. So next week, 9.45 and 11.15. Okay, so the announcements, um, the things I'm excited about. Number one, we told you at the end of December that we had put money in this year's budget, we'd put money in this year's budget to hire a worship pastor. And I am excited to announce today um, that we offered the job to Jeremy Green, and he accepted. Jeremy's getting coffee in the back. <laughs> Jeremy is a phenomenal musician, and I, anyone who's worked with Jeremy has incredible respect for him. He's in a band that tours around. I mean, he's just, he's an incredible musician. He helps people, other musicians, be better at what they do. And I always had respect for uh, Jeremy, but on Friday we were doing some work together, and casually he mentions that he opened for Beyonce. Our, our worship pastor opened for Beyonce. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. I feel my credibility has gone up like this. Every place I go, if I'm speaking someplace, not the table. Yeah, so our worship pastor, he opened for Beyonce, but... Um, Jeremy and his wife, Laura. Laura is um, right. Would, would you both stand? I, I hate to do this. I know I didn't tell you I was going to do this. I, I don't normally do this, um, but would you all stand? Uh, this is Jeremy and Laura. Um, they've been incredible parts of our community already, um, and uh, they are expecting baby green maybe during the middle of the service. Um, so <laughs> there will be another one of them. Not only did Jeremy open for... I'm still stuck on this. Not only did Jeremy open for Beyonce, he had dinner with her and like nine other people. He is friends with Beyonce. I am so cool. Okay. Um, 
Second, um, when we launched uh, in, in uh, 2015, we launched a second location, a second evening service in Logan Circle. Was anyone at that first, in Logan Circle? Did anyone, like one person, two people. A few people in the back, yeah, I see you. Um, we launched that uh, right at the time um, my dad was incredibly ill and, um, and just chaos was in um, our lives and it was the worst time ever to launch a church. And there was a volunteer at the table who really stepped up and made that launch possible. Honestly, we probably wouldn't have this location without that volunteer back in Logan Circle because it would have all fallen apart. We'd have realized that more than one location was a mistake and we'd have stayed at one space. Um, but that volunteer was Jessica Breslin. And um, yeah, give, give it up for Jessica. And, and so then we got her uh, as much work as we could get out of her for free, and, and then we offered to pay her, like, uh, gift cards to Starbucks, and, um, and then finally we hired her on as our chief of staff, and um, I'm excited to announce today um, that we, she's going to become our executive pastor, um, and so can we give... Uh, um, I'm so excited. I, I, I love working with Jessica, and um, she's just really helped take our church to the next level in so many ways. So I'm excited um, for her to take on this new role. Um, next, you know that um, Angela Kissel and Richard Kelly have served at parish, uh, as our parish pastors. Richard Kelly has served at this location as a parish pastor, um, and Angela Kissel has served as a parish pastor at our downtown parish. And um, we're going to talk about this in just a second, but we're doing some leadership restructuring, and one of the things we, we began to realize is we didn't want to hoard either of their gifts at one location. And so Angela and Richard are both going to be shifting to the role of associate pastor, um, uh, uh, over like the whole church, so they will both be. You'll see both. Of, uh, you'll see Pastor Angela here more in the morning, and those of you who go to our downtown parish will see Pastor Richard more. Um, we're just one of the things we're constantly trying to do is figure out how can we best maximize and leverage people's skills. And what we discovered is we were using way too much of their time managing a parish. And, and their giftings are pouring into other people. So many of you have told me about the coffees you've had with either Pastor Richard or Pastor Angela and how life-transforming they've been. Um, and so we want the entire church to be able to be a part have part of those gifts. I'm super excited about that. Um, the other thing, um, we have a couple new ministry directors. Um, the first is Molly Byram, who is the director of prayer. Um, Molly is in the back. Um, if you don't know Molly, you need to get to know her. The other is Nicola Davis, um, who is the director of first impressions, um, which will oversee hospitality and greeting. And so, can just so everyone knows who everyone is, can everyone I've just mentioned stand up? I, I want to just have you all do it once. Um, so Nicola and Angela and Jessica, Richard, Pastor Richard is actually gone today. Um, and then Molly in the back. There's a lot of people standing in the back. Molly, maybe you could raise your hand so we know which one you are. Okay, uh, can, these are, so this is Nicola, Molly, Angela, and Jessica. Can we just give them a round of applause? And so Molly and Nicola will be overseeing, uh, Molly will oversee prayer uh, for all the, all the table church, uh, Nicola will oversee first impressions for all the church, and then we have two other uh, new uh, leaders at the Columbia Heights location. Um, uh, the first is John Jordan, who makes sure you have hot coffee in the morning, so let's give it up for John. And the other is Kate McGuire, who will be taking over um, our engagement team here in, in Columbia Heights. Um, so let's give it up for Kate. 
So that then leads to our next change. I, I realized as I was thinking through, I, I'm not a linear thinker. I think in circles. Um, I should have told you this first, and the ministry directors would have made more sense. We have had an executive leadership team on what we called the lead team here at the table for quite a while. And, and we are, beginning in the new year, we, we moved away from that. So that team dissolved, and now we have a pastoral team. Um, we have a pastoral team, um, and then we also have a ministry directors team. Um, one of the things we were trying to do was provide space for more people to have um, a seat at the table, to have a voice at the table. Um, no pun intended. And then um, the other thing we're trying to do is just to, I'm constantly trying to figure out how we flatten our organizational structure so there's less layers um, between what is happening. Um, and so I'm not going to get into all the details. If you want to know more about the new leadership structure and how that looks, um, you can grab coffee with Jessica Breslin. She will be happy to explain that to you. Um, yeah, you're welcome for that. Um, She's really good at it. I explain it to people, and their eyes kind of glaze over, and then she explains, and like, oh, that's what he was trying to say. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're constantly tweaking our systems here so we can get better at, at serving people. Um, and it, when something doesn't work, we try something for a while. You know, you know what? That didn't work. Let's try something new, because we constantly want to grow and get better, because we think God created us with the ability to stretch ourselves and to grow and to change and to improve ourselves. That's one of the beautiful things about being human. Um, Charla and I had an incredible dog by the name of Charlie. He was a seven-pound rat terrier chihuahua. Um, and, and the problem is, is that it was like having a perpetual child because he like never matured. And so now that we have a, a, a daughter, like, like at times early on, I felt like her and Charlie were a lot alike. They were both peeing on the floor, you know, things like that. Um, but luckily, Eloise is maturing, and that doesn't happen anymore. I don't, that was just a random tangent. Um, I've got to get moving. Um, one more person uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to introduce to you, um, because a lot of you in the morning service don't know her, um, is my wife, um, Charla. So we're going to try to hand off Eloise so Charla can come up. Come on up. Charla's, Charla's a little uncomfortable around stages. Um, so this is my wife, Charla. Uh, but the reason I had her come up here uh, is, first of all, because we wanted a great picture of ourselves together standing up here. Um, <laughs> since we've had a baby, since we've had a baby, we've had less time to actually get photos of ourselves. So anyway, um, free photo. Um, there's a real reason. Oh, uh, the other reason is, is because a lot of you uh, haven't seen Charla much, partially because she goes to the evening service. When we launched the table, um, kind of the negotiation was that we could start a church if we had an evening service at 5 p.m. Um, so that's actually a true story why we have a 5 p.m. service. That and that was the only... Because I wanted it. You left that part out. Oh, because Charla wanted it. Yeah, yeah. Because Charla wanted it and because the only time I could get a building. But anyway... Um, what, what many of you don't know uh, is that so much of the heart um, and the, the values and the ethos of the table was her vision actually back in seminary. For a number of reasons, she decided not to become a pastor um, because she realized that was a terrible career trajectory and it was <laughs> foolish. Um, that's a true story. Um, but actually, when she was in seminary, um, God actually gave her a vision for a church um, that would be called The Table, um, and I kind of feel like I get to kind of carry on that vision because she went in another direction. I mean, she's still very involved in helping make The Table possible, but I decided foolishly, vocationally, that I wanted to be a pastor. Um, and I just wanted to thank her for all the ways that she's invested and contributed in our church. When we started, 
she let me um, bum around hanging out in coffee shops with people um, building the church while she worked 60 to 70 hours a week and then she was the first music director at the table and was like putting in another 20 hours 15 to 20 hours a week building our music team um, rearranging music and a million other things I don't in retrospect I don't know how you did it all and I just want to thank you in front of everyone thanks hon love you I get tired of seeing pastors, particularly male pastors, stand up and take credit for all the amazing things their church has done. When I'm sitting there, I was like, no, that wasn't your idea. That was your wife's idea. Um, yeah, I was in this meeting, um, and, and he, 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 to his credit, like at the end, he kind of offhanded, and he wasn't kidding. Uh, it was a phenomenal lecture that he gave, and offhand at the end, he just happened to mention, oh yeah, my wife wrote all this. Uh, and <laughs> why isn't she giving the lecture? Anyway. Um, as I was praying about what I wanted to share today, I realized that a church plant uh, is like a kid in so many ways. Um, there's an infancy, right? If you, any of you have been around a baby, have been around an infant, you know that it's chaos, right? Uh, the parents look like zombies most of the time because they're not sleeping and they're just doing everything. Um, if you were part of a church plant, the, the original people who helped found the church look like zombies, right? Because they are doing everything. I mean, we, I mean, when we started out, we had a tiny team and we were setting up an entire stage that was literally, I'm not making this up, the stage was thousands of pounds. We set up chairs, we set up um, sound system, everything, every single week. Um, and so there's this emphasy stage where you are, um, you're drooling all over yourself and embarrassing yourself, um, but you don't realize it because you're a baby, um, and everyone who's helping make it become a reality looks like a zombie. And then churches tend to go and move into the period of the toddler stage, which often looks like the terrible twos. Um, there's often bumpy things. There's often... Oh, they're, they're, we're already getting to the photos of Eloise. Um, I have a, they're, they're, I'm leading to those in a minute. Um, don't get distracted. Um, it's like the terrible twos. Um, and the reason that I taught it's like uh, the terrible twos is because one of the things that uh, if you've ever started anything, you realize is many of the people who helped you start anything, organizations or churches, will often leave. Um, and, and I was going to be the one pastor. Every book I'd read said that that was what was going to happen, but I was smarter than every other church planter, and I was going to keep every person who helped start the table. That did not happen. Um, and, and because what happens is the people who come uh, bring their own vision for what this community is going to look like because it's a blank slate. But the problem is you've got 30 people and 30 different visions. And as the table, or as an organization, or as a church grows and changes, they realize it isn't what they imagined it was going to be. And so you kind of go through this very bumpy stage as, as toddlers. And then if things go well, if things go well, eventually you get to the stage that I hope we're entering now, which is the kindergarten years, right? We're just about ready to enter our fifth year as a church. We're coming to the end of our fourth year. Um, we're finally walking on our own. We're using the restroom on our own. We're eating on our own, right? It's a, it's a big deal. And, and, and so it's so exciting to, to see all the amazing things that the community 
is accomplishing. I mean, this year alone, Jess is gonna tell us this in a minute, but I, I'm just so excited, I wanna tell you now. This past year in 2017, our church provided 100,000 pounds of food to people in need. We fed over, nine, we provided 900 hot meals to people without food. Right, that, that's incredible. So 100,000 pounds of like produce and canned foods and stuff um, for people to cook at home, but then through our partnership with Lowe's and Fishes, we provided another 900 hot meals. Like when we started, when we were in the infancy stage, we would have never imagined that being possible. But, but I also wanna, as I was thinking about this, wanted to get a, a little more personal. Um, when Eloise was born, this is the photo of Eloise when she was one month old. That's one month old. Look at that. Look at that smile. And, and, and when, when, she was born at, uh, when she was born, there were some things. There was like a twinkle in her eye. There was a mischievousness. Um, there was a joy that we thought we saw, but you're thinking, it's, she's one month old, right? Like, it, it doesn't really exist. But now that Eloise is a year and a half old, I've got another picture of her, right? Look at this face. Now look at this face. It's this. Like that same, like she's so different. She's changed in so many ways, but yet there's that core, there's that spark that's still in her eye. And I think church plans are a lot the same, right? We change, we look differently, but my hope is that the core, that the spark, that the dream, that the vision that God gave us in the beginning is still there. So for example, when we started, this is, this is like our second or third Sunday. This is what we looked like. Um, we have a stand-up bass, and we have a banjo, and check Charla. Charla is playing both a, a keyboard, a tambourine, and a, an accordion all at the same time. <laughs> That's a true story. We were like, we could have gone on, the, we could have been the next Mumford and Sons, right? Like, we were this kind of folky band, and now we are different. I have a picture of us a few weeks ago, right? Like, it's, we're, we, we look we look different in a lot of ways, but I hope that the spark, that the thing underneath of us, that dream that God gave us when a small group of people were sitting around the dining room table, that that dream is still alive, even though the outside in many ways has changed. So I went back this week as I was preparing for the sermon, I went back and I, I went through my email and I found a press release that I had written announcing that a new church was launching. So this, I had written this uh, like a month before we actually launched our church. And this is what I said. The table and its values emerged out of conversations with members of the community um, around this question. What would a community look like that would be worth staying for? First, the community needed to be a great place for kids to learn. Second, it needed to be, uh, needed to be a community that is socially engaged, working to create a great city for everyone. Third, the community needs to provide a space for authentic friendship. Fourth, the community needed to be a thoughtful space where people at different stages on their faith journey would feel safe. And fifth, it needed to be a community rooted in scripture. And finally, it needed to have great music. Now, in retrospect, that's way too long for a press release and not very succinct. And so as time went on, we, we took that and we condensed it a bit. And we said that our mission is to, be a, is to exist, to call people to become authentic and thoughtful followers of Jesus and join God in the renewal of all things. And we want to do this through helping you take a next step. We want to help you follow Jesus, grow in community, discover your purposes or purpose, and then go and make a difference in the world. 
But every time I go back, I go back at least once a year and reread those initial notes, those initial things that we wanted to be as a community to make sure that even as a lot of things change and feel different, that we continue to keep that spark, that, that dream that God had given us around a dining room table. And so this morning, as I talk about some of the ways we're going to continue to shift and change, um, I want to explore a passage from Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Translation. Now all those people who were far from God, now all those people who were seen as being outsiders, now all those people who had been excluded by the religious establishment, now all those people who had not yet become part of God's family had gathered around Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, translation, the good religious folk, the church folk, muttered, this man welcomes and eats. This man welcomes with sinners and eats with them. The overly religious people, the church people, sat around muttering. And if you've been around churches for a very long period of time, one of the things that you realize is that people who are overly churched begin to mutter. It's not how things used to be. You know how, what, can you believe the way they did communion now? Or did you hear the lyrics to that song? Or whatever it might be, right? We've got a million critiques and we've got all this years of knowledge um, kind of um, to help inform our critique. Some of you are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are that person. Okay, I got a little too close. Um, Church people may be the hardest people in the world to please, I sometimes think. Everyone's got an opinion, and everyone is right. And so those without a, a church home, those who are far from God in this passage, they are gathered around Jesus, and off in the corner is the religious crowd muttering. Those who are insiders are muttering. What is he doing hanging out with those people? Just, just a point. One thing I want to point out is this is really interesting if you stop and think about it. Sometimes Christians take it as a badge of pride that people hate them, right? Because they are like suffering for Jesus, right? We are mean and we are vile, but that's because you know, the world will hate us. And there's some like verse you can take and twist, you know, they will hate you because of me and all this, right? Like you've heard Christians say things like this. People who were far from God, people who were outsiders, people who were not part of the family of God, they loved Jesus. They gathered around Jesus. There was something compelling about who Jesus was. It was the insiders. It was the good church folk who didn't like Jesus. That's fascinating when you stop to think about it. So Jesus then says this when he sees that the church people are muttering. He said, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes, shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Then they throw a party. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner, over one person 
who has come to know God, who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. One of the things that Jesus constantly tells us over and over and over is I have come for outsiders, not for insiders. This, by the way, is one of the reasons when we invite you to the communion, uh, invite you to communion every week, we say the only requirement we have is that you see yourself as in need of the grace of God. Because if you think you've got it all figured out and you do not see yourself in need of God's grace, communion, Jesus' body and blood will be of no use to you. He did not come for the insiders. He came for the outsiders. Then Jesus doubles down. Because one of the things I realize over and over in teachings of Jesus, sometimes it makes me feel better because I think he might not have been the best communicator because people are always missing his message and people always seem to miss what I'm trying to say. So maybe Jesus and I are a little alike. I'm just saying. Um, Jesus doubles down and he says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends together and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus, in response to the muttering religious leaders, is saying, look, you've got to understand, I will go to incredible lengths to call home those who have not yet discovered the incredible joy of following Jesus. The next passage, or the next verses in this passage, I'm not going to read them through because it's a bit long, but it's the story of the prodigal son. It is this son who, who thinks that he is too good for his his family, and he goes out in his own. He goes a long ways off, and then when he is destitute and is at the end of his rope and his entire life has fallen apart, he crawls home expecting to become as one of the hired help at home. But instead of that, when he is on his way home, his father sees him a long ways off and begins to run towards him. This is Jesus giving us an image of what God looks like in response to us. The, the image of a staid, wealthy man who never runs anywhere, running to greet the son that was lost. That's the image that Jesus wants to leave us with. And in this same passage, there is an older brother. There is the good church folk. There's the religious, the overly religious people. And in this passage, the older brother is pissed. Right? He is hanging out. He is hanging out on the outside, muttering, can you believe it? I have been so good. I followed all the rules. I did everything I was ever supposed to do. And here he is celebrating the one who left. And what we discover through Jesus, especially through his table fellowship, is that he exists and he came for those who don't yet know the amazing love and grace of God. He came for those of us who continue to come to the table week after week in need of grace. People who are continuing on a journey. People who understand that we are broken in need of grace and redemption. And if you've been around for the table for a while, you know that things have changed, but the core of who we are is still the same. And, and we, will continue, we will continue to change and look differently 
as the years go on because the thing that drives me, in this I become more passionate about every year, and I begin to clarify my own calling. But the thing that I am passionate about is creating a church that unchurched people love to attend. Creating a church that people who want nothing to do with religious people. Creating a church that people who want nothing to do with Christianity. Creating a church that they love to attend. And we're doing our best to make sure it feels welcoming to as large a group as possible. We don't simply want to be a church anymore for white hipster ex-evangelicals which was kind of our initial core audience. Nothing wrong with you people. Um, I am you. Uh, maybe not the hipster part, um, but anyway. Uh, friends are like, I heard you pastor a hipster church. How did that happen? And that means we will continue creating space on Sunday morning especially on Sunday mornings, right? This is the front door. Sunday morning is the front door. People start with this space right here. And so for us, and particularly this space, we're constantly figuring out how can we make it as inviting as we possibly can. It's one of the reasons we care about offering good coffee. It's one of the reasons we're constantly tweaking the service, trying to keep it as short as possible so, and, and have some kind of consistency so people know if you invite your friends, we want you to know you're going to be here for about 70 to 75 minutes because some churches, some weeks it's 70 minutes, some weeks it's 90 minutes, right? You're never sure. And some weeks the music's good and some weeks, well, it's the pastor and a guitar up front. And one of the things we're trying to do, it's not about like being, having a great show or anything like that. It's about creating consistency so you feel comfort to invite your friends. We want to be a space where you can invite people who are far from God, people who want nothing to do with the church, and you're like, no, no, you've got to come check this thing out. But Sunday is only the front door. Once we invite people into our space, once we invite people into our community, we want to help them take a spiritual journey. Everything we do here at the table is around helping people take a spiritual journey. Our goal is for everything we do to help people take a next step. Because none of us have arrived. And so whether you, this is your first Sunday to ever be in a church, and you were like, I don't know, I don't know how I ended up here, but I heard they had good coffee, or I heard, you know, whatever, why are you here? Right? Whether you are here and are taking your very first step towards Jesus, or whether you have been in church since the day you were born, there is always a next step that you need to be taking. The moment you stop growing, the moment you stop taking the next steps toward Jesus is the moment you begin to move away. And so our goal is for everything we do, we're trying, and this is something we're going to continue to refine. How do, we just, how do we help you figure out where you are in your spiritual journey, and then how do we help you decide what the next step is that you need to take in your journey with Jesus? For some of you, that next step is you need to learn more about Scripture. For some of you, that next step is you need to learn how to pray. For some of you, that next step is you actually need to get out of your comfort zone and you need to serve. Right? For some of you, that next step is that you actually just need to sit. You need to stop doing and you need to just sit and soak in God's presence. Right? There's all Because some of you are, over, you, are, you are doers to an extreme and you actually, your next step is you need to just sit and listen to Jesus. And we want to get better at helping you figure out where you are in your spiritual journey, whether you're just start, starting, whether you've been on it your entire life and helping you take that next steps. And so one of the things, one of the ways, kind of the jumping off ways we do this is through our next steps track. 
Um, so every Sunday, um, every, week, every month rather, um, on the first Sunday of the month, we have a class called Making the Table Home where we talk about our vision and our values and how we started as a community. So you kind of have a sense of who we are. And then on the second Sunday of the month, we have a class called Discovering Your Purpose. So you can figure out your personality and you can figure out your spiritual gifts and how those two kind of inter, interlock. And then on the thir- third Sunday of the, of the month, we have a class called Leading at the Table where we help you explore this idea that all of us are called to lead because leadership is simply exercising influence and all of us have influence over someone. The question is, are you acknowledging your, your leadership and stewarding it well? And so one of, we start that class off helping you overcome some of the, the blocks that keep you from leading and then we talk about what our values are at the table and how they relate to how we lead. But that's only the launching off point for a lifetime journey. And I've been looking for a while for a, a clear way to illustrate how I lead and how I pastor. Because if you've been around churches for a while, I'm a very non-traditional pastor. I'm actually not very relational. Like, I'm try, like I try, but I'm just an awkward dude, right? And, so, and I'm trying to grow in that. But like some pastors, they're just so warm. I mean, you just want to hang out with them all day, and they just make you feel so good. That's not the gift that I have. And so I've been trying to figure out, I've been trying to figure out how to like, What's the thing that drives me? Like, I know it in my core, I know, I, I, but I was looking for the words to express it. And then I read a, um, a blog post by a former corporate strategy guy in the tech world who just planted a church in S- San Francisco. And when I read that post, it clicked. He said that there's a big difference between companies that provide a product and companies that provide a platform. For years, most churches provided a, a, a neatly packaged product, right? They had, if you had the best kids program and you had the best music in town, your church would probably go, grow. And there was like a brand and a product that went along with it. Honestly, it's kind of what we were trying to do in the beginning, right? We were kind of targeting this like ex-evangelical hipster crowd that liked folk music. And that was like the product we were offering people. But companies that are platform are different. They don't provide a product. They provide a platform for other people to build upon. And so this is just, these are kind of poor examples, but this will at least give you an idea. So a product company would be like a taxi company, right? They've got a product. They offer a taxi. That's their product. They have to pick you up. But a platform would be Lyft or Uber, right? So they provide a platform for other people to build on. Uh, a product would be Marriott Hotels, right? They, they have a, you know, when you stay in a Marriott Hotel, what Marriott's going to be like, and that's kind of their thing, and they keep growing, and they keep building more Marriott Hotels. But a platform is Airbnb. I mean, it, with, without, like, I mean, local regulations squelch it, but without, like, local regulation, Airbnb could grow infinitely. Everyone has a seat at the Airbnb table if you have a space that you can rent. A product would be Barnes & Noble Bookstore, but a platform would be Amazon.com. Because one of the things you don't realize about Amazon, we often think that like Jeff Bezos keeps all the, everything stored in his warehouse. But actually, it, it, if you pay attention, often your product is being pulled from a million different vendors. Um, they've given an incredible platform to all kinds of people. There's a fascinating article about this in the New York Times this week. And so you either create, as a, th- this, is, this is, we're still in the techie, techie world here. You can either create a product to sell or you can create a platform to let others build upon it, and then the possibilities are limitless. That's the reason that Uber is valued at $60 billion. Right? It, it's because the, the growth potential is limitless. 
The goal of our church, the goal of our church is to create a strong foundation of community for you to build upon. Because a, plat because a platform can support many people's passions and calling. A product can only support a handful. And for too long, the church has offered a product to consumers. And, for, and honestly, for a lot of people, there's something comforting about that. You, because it gives you a sense of, well, you know, I just, like, I go on Sunday, I hear the music, and then I go home. And churches as products aren't going away in the same way that companies who provide products aren't going away. But the leadership at the table, and particularly myself, we see it as our job to be facilitators to create a platform that gives everyone a place to stand, not merely a product that only a certain demographic may prefer. Our role is to create an environment where everyone can have a genuine encounter with Jesus. And then once we've invited you on that journey, once we've invited you to take that first step, we want to help you grow in community. We want to help you discover your purpose. And then we want to equip you and unleash you and encourage you to make a difference in the life of another person. <laughs> We want to figure out the dream that God has put in your heart, the gift that God has put in your heart, and we want to help that come alive. Now, when I say, just to be clear, when I say platform, I don't mean the physical one, right? A stage to preach from or be on the worship team or whatever. That could be, but the problem is often in the church world, right, we kind of immediately think, if I'm doing ministry to Jesus, I need to be standing up front. But actually, in some ways, I think that is one of the lower callings. What I'm talking about is, is about a community and a family of, of the people who, of, of God being a strong foundation for people to pursue their God-given passions with the added bonus of a community that is there with you, supporting you and rooting you on in your journey. As you are, as you are embarking on this thing that God has called you to do, we want to support you. Because the thing I've discovered over and over in my life is that you won't be happy and you won't be fulfilled unless you are using your gifts in the context of a community, unless you are making a difference in the life of another person. And, and actually, those of you who have been most successful in this room, you know this most acutely because you've achieved everything you ever dreamed of. Some of you have achieved more than you ever dreamed of. And you're like, is that all there is? We believe there are incredible, earth-shattering things that God wants to do in our city and in our world. And the seed, and the seed for some of those things that God wants to do is in your heart, is in this room today. Some of the, the, the coolest things that the table has done recently wasn't because of me, and it wasn't because of our leadership team. There, the 900 people that received a hot, warm meal this year were because of Megan Wagner, who stepped out and connected our church with a food program in need of volunteers. That, that wasn't anything that we dreamed of. That was her coming and saying, Can, there's, this, there's this food program that I would love us to support. They need money and they need volunteers. And, and being a church that said, yes, we want to support you in that dream. Our church has a growing advocacy voice in our city through something called WIN, the Washington Interfaith Network. It has nothing to do with me. That is all to do with Joe and Louie 
who, who made that happen and who email you over and over and bug you until you show up to their meetings. And because of that, when we had a meeting with Mayor Bowser this year, our church was by far the youngest church at this gathering by like 20 years. And, and, and we also had one of the largest crowds. We were like, I mean, there were 750 people at this gathering. We had 40 people there. But that wasn't because of anything I did. That was because of providing a platform for others to listen to Jesus. But it's not simply something big like um, a food ministry or an advocacy program. It's also little things like a couple in our church by the name of Joe and Allie McGill who throw a block party for their neighborhood kids. And they have all kinds of fun games and they do costumes and all this great stuff. We want to provide a platform and encourage them and support them on that journey. But that's not something, that wasn't our idea. It's providing space for other people to, to, to say yes to God. And so what we want to do is create a platform, a foundation for other people to connect and thrive and then support you on that journey. We want to be a place where many things can coexist and where we can strengthen each other. A place that allows people with abilities and talents and passions and experiences that we don't possess to become all that God intended us to be. And so over the next year, we're going to continue to try to get better and better about creating worship environments where unchurched people love to attend. But then, that is just the beginning. We want to get better at helping you take your next step in our faith journey. That's our focus. And specifically, we're going to be laser-focused on helping you figure out where you are and what that next step is. And I am believing that in 2018, I am believing that God is going to give us record number of people, a record number of people who take that first step towards Jesus. Who take the step into the waters of baptism because there is nothing more exciting than joining God and calling people to take that first transforming step. So I want to end with a personal story. Um, some of you may know that um, my, my dad was a pastor for all of his life, and he passed in 2015. Um, what, one of the stories I didn't even know until recently is that two days before he died, there was a young couple that was in his church that came to his hospital room, and um, he prayed for them. He was actually so weak and so ill that he could only make it halfway through the prayer. But like the last, some of his last breaths on earth were praying for a young couple that was in his church. Time passed after that moment, and my mom happened to be in Panera Bread um, in, the, in that town, and um, this couple walks in. And apparently, they were, this couple was known around town, particularly the man, as being a, a character who was rather rough around the edges. And... Um, they came over to my mom and they were beaming and they were talking excitedly and they, um, they were so happy to see her and, and then they told her that they'd just come from a court hearing. Um, they, uh, he had been married before and uh, he was going to, to talk to uh, the, the judge about alimony. And um, in the story they were telling my mom, they said um, during the middle of the, 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 this, the hearing, uh, the judge hand him a paper and said, you know, I see here you earn, you know, whatever the amount was, 50000 a year or something. And, and he looked and he saw that it was the wrong amount. He actually earned significantly more than that. And so he said, your honor, um, this number is incorrect. 
He's like, I earn way more than that. And, and the judge is like, so you're telling me you want to raise the amount you're giving? Or you, this is the amount like that's been agreed upon. He's like, no, I earn way more than that. And, and he told my mom, the reason he's telling this story is he said, I used to be such a dishonest person. And he said, it feels so good to be honest, to be truthful. He said, nobody had ever shared Jesus with me before. And then he said, I came to your church and your husband shared an invitation to become a follower of Jesus. But not only did he share that invitation and I say yes, but, but that community walked with us over the next few years. And he said, if you had known me before, he said, you would have never recognized me. And he said, my life is so completely different. He said, I have never been happier before in my life. And he said, and then he told my mom, he's like, I know your husband is gone, but I will spend the rest of my life helping live out the vision that he instilled in us in that church because my life is transformed forever. I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, and I am more joyful and happy than I've ever been in my life. The legacy that, my, that by investing in other people, my, my dad left, continues to live on and continues to invest in other people. It's one of the most beautiful things in the world is when you can leave a legacy by investing in other people. And even when you are gone, whether from a city or from this world, that legacy continues to live on. And so in my own journey, my own life, I want, to, I want to call people to a life-transforming relationship with Jesus that makes all the difference in the world, and then I want to help them take the next step. But, but here's where the twist happens. I don't want to be the only one in all the fun. I want each and every one of you to have a legacy that you leave. Whether it's a legacy you leave in D.C. because you move to another city, or whether at the end of your life someday when you look back, a legacy of people's life that you've invested in. And so the thing that I am so passionate about, the thing that I'm so passionate about is calling people to follow Jesus, but then helping them take that next step, helping you make a difference in the life of another person. Because that gift, that, that thing that you do, it continues it continues to pay dividends even years later when you're gone. That's who we want to be as a, as a church. We want to be a church that creates a platform, that creates a foundation for you to follow Jesus, for you to say yes to whatever it is that God is calling and asking and placing in your heart to do. Let's pray. God, I thank you for I thank you for everyone who's sitting in these chairs. I thank you for the gifts and the dreams that you've placed in their heart. I thank you for the people that you have put in their path, people that they may not even have yet realized that you have put in their path. 
I pray that you'd begin to open our eyes as, as we are on this journey with you, that you begin to open our eyes and begin to help us to, to realize how we can begin to invest in others, how we can begin to help people take a step towards Jesus, how we can begin to make the, a difference in the life of another person. I pray that you would take the gifts that we, that we give, whether they be our time or our money or our energy, you take those gifts and that you invest them and that we leave a legacy behind that we could never imagine. In Jesus' name, amen.